The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Columbia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here on a boat en route between Colombia and Panama. That's right, I'm working on the National Geographic expedition right now between Cartagena and Panama City. So very exciting there too. But this is episode 449 of the Columbia Calling podcast. We've got double news from Emily Hart this week and also... In the third segment, we're talking to the director of Columbia Reports, Adrian Alsima, about the conversation, well, the suggestion that is being given out by well, not only President Santos, former President Gaviria, and also current President Gustavo Petro on the legalization of cocaine. So we're discussing that and what this could mean for Colombia. So don't go away. Great conversation in the pipeline for you now. I'm Emily Hart, and since we missed the news last week, here are your top stories from the first two weeks of November 2022. President Gustavo Petro has now been in power for 100 days. Invermere's new poll gives Petro a public approval rating of 50%, with disapproval at 43%. For comparison, the last approval measurement of former President Ivan Duque in June earlier this year was at 28%. Petro is best perceived in the Caribbean, with 60% approval ratings, while in the Central East he has only 36%. Young people between 18 and 24 years old are the most supportive, though the variations by age and economic status are much less significant than regional variations. During these first three months, the country has seen the passing of the tax reform bill aiming to raise 20 trillion extra pesos next year and the passing of the total peace law, paving the way to peace talks with political groups like the ELN and criminal groups like the AGC. The approval of the new budget and the ratification of the Escasu Accord are also significant as steps to the fulfilment of Petro's ambitious agenda. However, also this month, and for the fifth time, an attempt to ban bullfighting in Colombia has been sunk in Congress, as animal rights activists question the lack of support, even from progressive representatives. Petro promised in his campaign to end any spectacle involving animals. On the wider perception of the country's situation, 60% of respondents believe that things in the country are going badly, Indeed, the survey was taken as the peso tumbled to a record low of 5,070 Colombian pesos to the US dollar in the first week of November. And the economy continues to be the greatest concern for Colombians, with 38% of votes from respondents, followed by corruption with 18%, insecurity with 13 and poverty with 6 a large majority, 68%, defend petrol subsidies in spite of the program's deficit for the public purse. The government has actually already been withdrawing those subsidies. 54% of those polled reject the idea of stopping oil and gas exploration, another flagship policy for this new government. Though same-sex marriage has been legal in the country since 2016, it has the support of only 39% of citizens and a rejection of 56%. 56% are also against the legalisation of recreational cannabis and 68% are against the legalisation and regulation of cocaine. Human Rights Watch also released a report marking Petro's first three months in office 
showing that 35 social leaders have been murdered in that time. Nariño is the department with the most violence against social leaders, according to the report, with eight homicides in that department. This year's unusually intense rainy season in Colombia, aggravated by La Nina weather phenomenon, continues to cause major damage and disruption. The president himself met this weekend with ministers to make plans to manage the situation, which has so far left more than 200 people dead and nearly half a million people affected. There are 281 injured and more than 50 missing, as well as around 6,000 homes destroyed and nearly 80,000 homes damaged along with thousands of roads, hundreds of bridges, more than 300 aqueducts and 250 schools. It is reportedly the most serious winter wave the country has faced in nearly half a century and deaths far exceed those of recent years. The rains caused 126 deaths in 2021 and 96 in 2020. In the first 10 days of November alone, nearly 14,000 people were affected by floods, gales, flash floods and landslides, especially in the Caribbean and Andean regions. One of the most critical situations this month took place in Cartagena. Last month, the executive declared a state of national disaster, a measure allowing a reallocation of budget resources to assist the affected population. It's been announced that 2.1 billion pesos, which is around 414 million US dollars, will be allocated to face the emergency to be invested in food, health services and relocation of victims. The president has also announced that it is likely that this winter wave and its accompanying rains will extend up to even April of next year. Colombia's president Gustavo Petro and Venezuela's president Nicolas Maduro held their first bilateral meeting in six years earlier this month. The two spoke behind closed doors and then made a public statement without taking questions from the press supposedly having discussed trade, human rights and protecting the Amazon rainforest. Maduro emphasised the commercial relationship between the two countries and the need to strengthen the border. Meanwhile, Petro called on the Venezuelan government to rejoin the inter-American human rights system and to build a truly liberal democracy, reportedly also asking Maduro to carry out free elections in Venezuela. The Inter-American Court of Human Rights is the body responsible for recommending and promoting respect for human rights by its member states. It was not, reportedly, until Maduro agreed to discuss rejoining the court that Petro agreed to visit Caracas. This political opening is, however, in stark contrast to a new UN report which concluded that a network of clandestine houses in Venezuela tortured political opponents. The report points directly to Maduro as responsible for giving the orders to commit crimes against humanity. Public transport in Colombia is not a safe place for women and girls. Already this month, two minors were sexually abused on the Transmilenio, Bogotá's public transport system. Nearly 6,000 sexual crimes have been reported in Bogotá already this year, according to the Security Secretariat. The alleged abuser of one of the two minors was captured and charged with the crimes of violent carnal access and aggravated theft. The man had been arrested for obscene sexual acts on transport less than two weeks before, but had been released by the prosecutor. Hours after being arrested by the police, the man was found dead in the police station where he was being detained, held with 80 other inmates in a cell. The autopsy confirmed he had been murdered, suggesting he had been beaten to death. The police have announced an investigation. A survey indicated that 84% of women say they feel very insecure or insecure using the Transmilenio. 39% have decided not to use the buses for fear of suffering some kind of sexual violence. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. And we're back. This is episode 449 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Our guest this week needs no introduction, of course. It's the one, the only, Adrian Alsema of Columbia Reports. We're going to be talking about, well, you know, we've left it a little bit late, but this UN report that came out in October that uh, shows how, well, the coca cultivation, so coca, of course, the crop, with which they make cocaine, 
Uh, well, coca cultivation has increased in Colombia in a recent UN report that says by 43%. So Adrian and I are going to discuss that. Welcome back on the show, Adrian. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. So, I mean, 43%, Adrian, that's a huge amount. I mean, that's not far off. 50%, it's not far off. What What's going on? Um, well, what's going on is that the government, the previous government, uh, really put its money on, on repressive um, uh, coca cultivation uh, reduction, um, which has never worked. And and la- and the the recent statistics confirm what everybody's been saying for a decade, which is that it doesn't work. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna get people like you know we have we you and I have a, a couple of trolls, and they'll get saying, well, it's because it, you know we don't um, there's no more glyphosate spraying, and if there's no more glyphosate spraying, that won't get rid of the coca crops and and so on. So there's no uh, will to do so, and the peace accords have failed in that there's no crop <clears throat> substitution. What do we what do we well, say to those people? Um, th- those people need to read the uh, final report of the Truth Commission, mm-hmm. um, which uh, delved deeply into. Uh, the history of, of counter-narcotics in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And what you see, which is really interesting, um, the the use of glyphosate um, got really big in the late 1990s. And, mm-hmm. and this happened um, after a breakdown of diplomatic ties between Colombia and the United States because of uh, the so-called... 8,000 process, uh, which was a scandal that erupted in 1994 because of the financial contributions of the Cali cartel to mm-hmm. the uh, presidential election campaign of uh, Liberal Party candidate Ernesto Samper. Mm-hmm. What, what happened is that before uh, that scandal, so before 1994, when when the cartels were still uh, active, yeah. all counter narcotics uh, was targeting drug traffickers and and cartels like the Medellin cartel and the and the Cali cartel. And what what happened like during um, after after the U.S. authorities found out that the Cali cartel was bankrolling politicians in in Colombia, including the president. Um, Diplomatic relations kind of broke down, and 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 they kind of resumed with a new strategy that sought to uh, go after coca farmers rather than drug traffickers, and and this has since been the um, well the strategy, and and it, it hasn't worked since the beginning. Like like there is no correlation to a drop. In um, in cocaine production and um, aerial spraying, like like it just doesn't exist. So um, th- there's just no evidence to indicate that like the aerial spraying of uh, of, of herbicides ha- has any effect on, uh, on 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 cocaine production. And I mean that's an awesome point because you said that this the the spraying really picked up at the end of the 1990s. And Correct. if we're looking at this UN report from October, and it's called the 43% increase of coca cultivation, these are the highest figures since 2001. That correlates with what you're saying. Uh, because well, and, and you you might want to, like, this whole fixation on, on hectares is also like a result of that, of that strategy. Like, mm. what... what what you want to like what matters is like how much cocaine is being produced mm-hmm. so if you if you measure in in hectares so like like how much land is being used for uh, the cultivation of coca you don't take into account you don't take into account crop density um like the quality of the 
uh, of the crop and and you get like a really indirect indication of like how the how the illicit drug trade is uh, is doing mm. so what the, the the UN also came up with with another statistic which is like much more of a more of an indication of how um uh cocaine production is going like beyond coca cultivation and last year the uh the production of cocaine the, the potential cocaine production was 1400 metric tons of cocaine so a metric ton is like a like a um it's it's pretty much like well it's mm-hmm. fucking huge like one metric ton is all like if i'm correct that's a meter by a meter by a meter mm-hmm. yeah. um that's like that's a lot of cocaine yeah um if you if you compare this like for example to um to 1995 in 1995 only 200 30 tons of cocaine uh, were produced. Mm. So we're, we're going from, uh, so, and, and in, if you look at the beginning of um, uh, Plan Colombia, like if we take 1999, then it's already like increased six to 680. And now it's 1400. So more than double than what it was like at the turn of the century. Huh. And so, so, it's com- like wh- whatever has been done has evidently failed. Yeah. Um, and and this includes um, relatively new strategies that w- that were employed as part of the pre- peace process that included uh, the the voluntary substitution of uh, cocaine crops. Yeah. Because like like. Because there's been a diversion of attention to to the to the cultivation of cocaine, um, this is taking resources away from uh, uh, law enforcement, targeting drug trafficking networks, or or drug trafficking routes. Um, there, there's a whole weird assumption in the United States in the United States, which remains the the biggest cocaine consumer in the world that like cocaine is entering the US via the the Mexican border and that's just not the case um if you look at the interdictions that were done during the the shutdown of the uh, during the coronavirus pandemic in the first months mm. you <clears throat> you notice that US interdictions almost like collapsed um but drug trafficking did not collapse. If you compare this to Europe, where where authorities are monitoring the the seaports, yeah, um, they noticed an increase. So you you can only assume uh, that also in the U.S., uh, cocaine is entering uh, the country via uh, the ports of of Newark or or Los Angeles and Seattle, mm. and. But, but but there's a weird fixation on on the Mexican border, like which is where other drugs are coming in the country. But well, I mean, that's not relevant for for Colombia cocaine. Yeah, I mean, we just quickly say that's. I mean, there's a whole load of the artificial drugs coming through from from Mexico, and the and the opiates and uh, fentanyl and all of these things are coming through now. I think from that one. So yeah, but, I mean, when you talked and, about and the, the problems, go on. Well, the, the problem with if you if you accept that that uh, illegal uh, illegal drugs and cocaine in particular enter the country via the ports, then you also have to admit that you can't do anything about it. If you mm. look at the the sheer volume of of shipping containers. <laughs> That enter any given port, be it Rotterdam in in the Netherlands or or Newark in mm. in New Jersey, you can't possibly spend like two seconds per container because like you you just shut down the entire global trade, mm. and and that's basically what you need to accept as a reality that that you 
there's nothing you can't stop drug trafficking without completely collapsing global uh well normal trade like like food and stuff yeah it's true i mean i was up in in panama recently and then down in the port of cartagena and and you just look at the quantity of containers stacked up there and what amount of time would be required to check container by container that's i mean with days, months, if not years, as you say, it would collapse everything. It, it's just, it's just not possible. Like you, you can't. Like I mean, like you can't spend not even like two seconds per container. Like, mm. like um, mm. it's just it, it's it's impossible. So, so the whole like attempt, like to, to do it anyway. Um, it's just futile, and and yeah. and the whole drug problem, which is very real, like like the drug abuse and and drug addiction are very real problems. Like also, like when it comes to uh, uh, cocaine, even mm. though it's a relatively mild drug, like mm. uh, it's not like heroin. Yeah, and yeah. you 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 need the the. The fact that we're like still not tr- like having a, a health-based, a, pro- a public health-based approach to to drug consumption mm. m- makes every form of law enforcement completely futile. Like it's just nonsensical. So I, I like the way you've taken this about the hectares and acres, and we just get those figures out there. So if we read, like for example, on the BBC. Or, you know, obviously they've done a, a summary of the reports, 204,000 hectares or 504,100 acres. It's an irrelevant. I mean, obviously it gives us an idea, but as you say, the density of growth and the quality of growth. And these plants are incredibly, you know, durable plants as well. And they're, of course, it doesn't make that much sense. I think, and as you say, you know, law and, and also like the, there's been like a massive, there's been a massive change in cultivation so like like there's been genetical modification mm. to to increase the yield per uh, per per crop um and there's all kinds of stuff you can do with with a genetic modification that benefits mm. like the the uh, the end product which is cocaine yeah um but- so so the whole like like focus on 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 how much land is being used could like it's completely outdated. Yeah, but that seems to be most of most of the arguments as well on the the so-called war on drugs. It's a it's a policy that has been created and somewhat modified over the years. But at the base, it's it's you know let's let's capture the let's well the moment it's you know we'll we'll find the farmers guilty. It's the addicts. It's and so on. And and I think this is where we we get into. You know, uh, uh, President Petro's uh, speech at the UN. Obviously, he was speaking during the, you know, the, the 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 few few days of spring that he had as president, and the the feeling of optimism. And he was speaking from a, a position of strength right then, and and talking about uh you know the 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 war on drugs. He didn't mention the US, but it was very. <laughs> It was very easily to, uh, um, let's say, implied. Uh, in fact, I had a conversation briefly with someone from the embassy about that, and they were like, "Yes, he didn't say the U.S." They kept saying he didn't say the U.S. Well, we know who they're talking about, but maybe you could uh, give us a bit of a background on what uh, Gustavo Petro said at the UN. Um, well, Gustavo Petro basically said that the UN. I'm sorry that the that the war on drugs uh, was a war on on the environment and, and was a war on uh, on a plant, which mm. which is kind of the case because he, the the thing is that initially counter narcotics targeted drug trafficking organizations, which makes sense because they're evident evidently engaged in criminal activity. Mm. Not not just drug trafficking, but also money laundering, um, and all kinds of other criminal activity here in Colombia, like like extortion and uh, you you name it, like like typical uh, mafia activity. Mm. 
Um, and particularly during Plan Colombia between like 1999 and, and 2006, there was a, I mean, the, the, like the, the, the actual like organized crime groups were, were just ignored and, um, and, and all the resources went into uh, combating the, the production of, uh, of, well, the cultivation of coca, which is just senseless. Like it doesn't make it, it's really weird how how that somehow got diverted away from like what because like there's nothing nobody's against law enforcement mm. you know like nobody is like nobody opposes going after drug traffickers and money launderers like like um well good luck finding someone who thinks that's like ethically questionable like they don't exist but 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 somehow like like they stopped combating organized crime and, and focused on uh, on cultivation of coca, mm. and this has in effect only only strengthened organized crime to the extent that you can now say that the the longest living drug trafficking organization in Colombia is the national police. Um, the, the 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 corruption that is uh, financed by uh, by the drug trade has has completely eroded the capacity of the state to uh, um, to enforce the law. It's it's one of those things, and of course, when we talk about the, the stigmatization of the small landowner, the campesino, uh, poor, poorly translated as peasant, I would I like to call them, you know, farmers, small farmers, small holders, um, but. Yes, the stigmatization of these guys who grow the crops out there because the only people who who get out there to buy products are the cartels. And and that I mean that's part of the issue. And this comes into the whole uh debate around past total or total peace. I mean, how can we have total peace, which is a cornerstone of Gustavo Petro's uh policy, Gustavo Petro's uh, you know, presidency, with this production of cocaine and also this failure to include the well, countryside. Well, the, 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 the prohibition, the prohibition of cocaine, and this is also what the uh, what the Truth Commission pointed out, mm. is that it's not so much the the trade in in commodity X mm. like cocaine. It's the it's the fact that it's illegal because like the fact that it's illegal. Uh, uh, like it inflates the profit margin mm. um and it's uh, like something that that would have been maybe a few dollars per kilo is now like like 1500 dollars a kilo in colombia and and fuck knows how much it costs in um mm. uh, in the united states or or the uk or mm. or wherever so the the whole prohibition element is what is causing the problem rather than the existence of cocaine because cocaine's been around since forever mm. and um, its prohibition basically has um well is is counter uh, counterproductive so and i from what i i glean from my reading and of course the the dubious success stories went certainly under the last presidency and last government when they say oh we you know this is the highest seizure of cocaine ever it strikes me that there's more cocaine than the narco gangs know what to do with uh, you know that huge seizure they had uh some time ago up in northern colombia and urabá that cocaine was just sitting there rotting they didn't know i mean it there's not enough transport to get all the stuff out. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, and and there, well, I I've seen. Um, I did an inventory last year mm. here on a, a cocaine seizures like throughout the world. You you would notice that there that during the pandemic, uh, like new routes were created. So you like over the past few years, like a lot of cocaine is now being uh, trafficked to Brazil. Yeah. 
um, which has become like a, and not just Colombian cocaine, like this is uh, also largely like Bolivian and Peruvian cocaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you notice like seizures of Colombian cocaine in uh, in Libya uh, and in 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 Pakistan um, and Dubai. Yeah. If I'm if I'm correct. Yeah. Like du- Dubai or Qatar. So cocaine is like it's like like cocaine is like just being like shipped all over the place. And from there, like it can be shipped like to like the actual consumption markets in um, um in Europe and in the United States. So what what I'm imagining is that that a new strategy is to to ship cocaine to a to a a location where uh, there is no consumption from there, it's being shipped to a uh, to mm. a consumption market w- without like the red flags that that are like on on shipments like banana shipments from Colombia, for example. Yeah. So it's it's sending it to a second location first. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and because there's like there's just so much cocaine being produced um, that it's. Um, it's exceeding like like the potential con- consumption, so like like it it looks like like there are just like sort of like stash houses of uh, cocaine in in places where you really don't expect them. So like in in the Middle East, in in Africa, um, yeah, is it the is Equatorial Guinea is one of the big places, isn't it? They got a whole bunch of Colombians in jail there, and they, I mean it's cheaper. For them to fly planes across the Atlantic, crash them, get the cocaine out, you know, then it's it's just and and cheaper to to leave because the profit margin is so big. Leave that plane there, crash. Yeah, and it's and not it's not going to lose value. So mm. like, I mean, like co- cocaine is relatively. Like, I mean, you can keep it for for quite a while before it uh, goes bad, and you can just like leave it sitting in 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 dubai for for half a year and then and then move it to like wherever there's a customer so, so, so this is really yeah. um what do we this this makes like like tr- like combating drug trafficking incredibly difficult because like you just don't know like what the origin country is anymore of mm. shipments that enter your your country it's true under flags of convenience and so on. But so, I mean, if we if we talk about you know President Santos when he was on, let's say, on the way out of his presidency, and he he mentioned you know to Obama, you know, it's time to talk about legalization. It's time to talk about these things. Of course, he was on the way out, and he was on, uh, you know, on, again on a high post peace accord. He could say these things, and he continues to say these things on a world stage. But of course, he's no longer president. But we have had a we have a president now who is talking about we need to we need to uh, really seriously discuss what well, I guess it's is it a regulation or a legalization? How do you want to uh, how do you want to put this? It's the same. Th- I like I mean, like regulation is just like a, a way to avoid saying legalization. And but but the tragic thing is that. Like Colombia doesn't really have another option. I mean, like if you look at the the destruction caused by by the illicit drug trade, like how it finances armed groups and how it how it's created this, this perpetual violence um, that's financed by uh, by cocaine exports. Um, like we are. We are condemning ourselves to to perpetual violence um, if we don't come up with a, with a functional strategy. And and the tragedy of this is, if you look at the United States, um, if you look at the number of um, um, drug overdoses in the United States, like this is like mind boggling, like like. Um, if you compare this to to European countries, for example, mm. um, so it's kind of tragic. Like, if the United States can't figure out a way to um, to to lower consumption and and to well, or or do kind of like a harm reduction, 
then Colombia can't like it's completely unacceptable that 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 we would have to suffer like this perpetual violence because another country like a few thousand miles away uh, can't figure out how to uh, provide public health. Yeah, and now. I mean, we, you've mentioned it a few times, and this perpetual violence and so on. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and of course, money laundering doesn't get you extradited to the US, does it? The 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 crime of money laundering. I suppose it could. Mm. It's just not being pursued. Like that. Okay. That's another thing. Like like there's a. With the increase of of cocaine exports, there's also an increase of money, like drug money flows coming back to Colombia. And if you look at how law enforcement is is targeting that half of the drug trade, Mm. um, it's just non-existent. Um, Like it's, it's completely evading all kinds of detection. And, um, because there's like a people are not um, well in general like people are not as aware of money laundering as they are of of drug trafficking. Yeah. Even though like it's literally like half of the trade. If you are if you somehow are able to um, to effectively end money laundering. Then, then the whole drug trade collapses because yeah. like like nobody is going like like drug trafficking is not a charitable um thing you know like like it, it's all about the money yeah so if we but, yeah go on well and and this is completely um ignored by mm. um by federal authorities in the united states uh, also by by the European Central Bank in in Brussels, um, and also in Colombia, there's just um, it's just rife. It, it's well, yeah, and, and 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 law enforcement just doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so, so what that's concerned you, like I I just don't see like how people can claim that they are actually combating. Uh, drug trafficking when they are not combating um money laundering yeah, i mean so if we approach this from like from two prongs it's a public health concern the consumption and and so on and then the issue of money laundering then we're looking at you know a serious way of not combating but how do we I don't know, create some sort of new vision of a problem. So I find it it could be very interesting on that level. And the whole issue of money laundering, I brought it up because um I I brought it up because, you know, we and we have to. I tell you, I put a I put a microphone up and one of my kids sees me. Um, but if we talk about money laundering, it doesn't seem to be the possibility of actually investigating it. I mean, the only time that we've, I mean, we've seen it, obviously we saw the money going into the Samper campaign and the other campaigns in politics, but let's, let's just go to the anecdote of the former Colombian ambassador to Uruguay. You know, he's of the Colombian upper class, San Clemente. And he was found to former have, director of the the civil aviation authority. He was as well, wasn't he? Before that, and then in, in, in then he was the director of like the Transmillennial for a bit. So they get passed around between these top top jobs, you know, especially when they're of, of these elite families. And elite is a word, and a, and, a, and it tends to come up a lot in Colombia when we talk about the problems, the elite families. But this money laundering, he had cocaine laboratories on his family farm just outside of, of of Bogota and of course the butler is the guy who's got sent down and we don't really know where the case is going and he's always claimed that innocence and that he didn't know they're not actually that far from the main house um but this is the time where i feel that 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 sort of very 
poor that that very gray area between money laundering and production have been shown with the sort of top end of Colombian society because you sort of think well, that they well, no but but also like like in 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 the administration of government mm. i mean like like this guy was the director of all uh all civilian flights coming in and out of colombia yeah and um and the uh, the uh, the giving licenses to private airplanes and 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 all that stuff. Yeah. So rather than like this, like being an elite. I mean, like if you're into drug trafficking, like you're in the elite, like within a few minutes, yeah. like, because it's just really profitable. See. So like like it's really it's only natural that that the mafia ends up infiltrating the elite because they have the resources to do so. But what what is more importantly, because this is not a class thing, this is a matter of like how how the mafia is infiltrating um, public administration. So like like how they end up like uh, controlling aviation authorities, um, how they corrupt uh, port authorities, um, and making all kinds of like law enforcement, like when it comes to customs and and imports and exports completely impossible i i i looked into um like exports like from from colombia to the united states and and the and there's like a over the past decade there's a 30 billion dollar gap between what colombia says it exported to the united states and and the money paid to colombia for exports so mm. like 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 the United like United States businesses are sending on average three billion dollars to Colombia that does not correspond to actual um exports. Huh. So like um I don't even know how you how you begin to investigate this because like your mm. it seems like a totally impossible situation on this level markets to the production mark uh, country yeah well i wanted i mean you mentioned you mentioned it's not a class thing and i don't think it's a class thing either but i do think that the discrepancy between who is arrested and in and who is money laundering rather than producing does show a difference between uh, like that well, does, because if if you if you've been successful in 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 drug trafficking or money laundering, like you have the you evidently have the resources to to corrupt justice mm. and and corrupt the police and and corrupt the prosecution. Um, so so you kind of end up like 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 corrupting society as well, like where where the upper class ends up like being the Hmm. Well, disproportionately involved in uh, in drug trafficking. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think that they don't get their hands one hundred percent dirty in, let's say, the production, and that's where I think that sort of crossover with San Clemente is so very interesting. You know, they get they're they're completely juntao or you know involved in the laundering side of things. You know, they were building their uh, luxury apartments, restaurants bars uh whatever you know whatever they launder it oh, through. but we, the we're cartels not even, we're not even mentioning the banks like, yeah, like if, I, you, if you look at, at the colombia's main main banking corporations yeah. they all have like incredibly intricate networks in in the caribbean yeah um based on the investigations by for example the paradise papers and the panama panama papers mm-hmm. and um and and that just doesn't sit right you know like mm. like if you're a bank and you're creating a whole network in the caribbean then what what are you doing with that network you know like what is that used for um because it's those networks are incredibly vulnerable for um for the use of like money laundering activities and have been since the early 1980s. Mm. Um, and, and there's very little you can do about it because these countries are, are well, 
they're they're sovereign. Like you you can't just like uh, demand their their bank records and stuff. Yeah, and they're not giving up that information. I mean, that's that's how they no. exist. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like how how the, how 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 the entire Caribbean is financed. <laughs> so you're yeah. you're looking at quite a quite a challenge if you want to um, if you want to tackle that. For me, I mean, you could tackle it if you if you are able to uh, to monitor like money flows like entering the country or 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 leaving consumption countries like the US or the UK or or France or whatever mm. but but that's that's not being done if i'm if i'm correct the uh the, the estimate is that like only a percent of of money laundering is actually being detected by by global law enforcement, so that's a global average. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe maybe it's three percent. But, but but you you can imagine like oiling the whole financial system. Mm. But I mean, and of course, you know, no no one's going to speak up on this. So I mean, let's come back to Colombia. We've talked about it all. Where does Gustavo Petro go from here? We know it's a huge problem. We want to deal with it as a health problem. We don't want to stigmatize the smallholders. Where, I mean, where do we go? Because he'll he'll comp- continue to push this policy, which is correct in my opinion. Uh, but it won't be well. Approved. What option does he have? Like yeah. like the the entire state. If you look at the the, the military, like they're they're profoundly corrupted uh, uh, by by drug trafficking um like all, all army divisions uh, on the pacific coast yeah. are are implicated in um in drug trafficking yeah. if you look at uh, the port authority all port authorities like in, in buenaventura on the yeah. pacific coast barranquilla santa marta and cartagena on the on the Caribbean coast, these port authorities are are up to up to their neck in uh, in, in drug trafficking allegations. Yeah. Um, so the whole functioning the whole functioning of government is being undermined by uh, by organized crime um, and, and drug trafficking in particular. Mm-hmm. So the where Petro wants to go he he has said for example that he wants to uh, uh make sure that uh the country's uh, colombia's intelligence agency so the dehin and sihin of the police the ind which uh which reports directly to the president that they put their resources on organized crime mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. rather than for example political opposition mm-hmm. um and that is like the first time that a that a president has explicitly made this such a priority, like using state intelligence agencies to 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 really uh, put their put their resources on on organized crime. Because if you if you don't clean if you don't clean up the state institutions, then you can't fight crime. And you can't properly govern because, like your your entire state apparatus is eroding. He's going to come up against serious opposition. <laughs> oh, obviously, I I don't know how he's going to do it, but I think that the conversation and the dialogue is very positive, uh, and I I just feel that yeah, he's in a difficult time. I mean, on all sorts of different uh, levels, but it's in a difficult, difficult time. But I think if he can continue the conversation, and I'm sure, I mean, the cop is going on. Well, in, he's in going Egypt. to have to deliver results. Like, yeah. like, um, it's cool that what he that that we believe that what he says makes sense. Mm. But he still has to put put his money where his mouth is. Yeah. So. Um, what we are kind of waiting for is really high profile arrests like of like literally like army generals and 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 prominent police officials and um and that's very difficult because of the, inf- the like the persist the constant infiltration of um 
uh, of the mafia in in uh, law enforcement. But it, it, if if, is... I, if I may give an example, like yeah. uh, Petro did a real, uh, uh, he really cleaned up the the top of the national police. Like uh, when he took office, he um, I believe like twenty or twenty five uh, top of the top police officials were were ejected from the organization because Petro wanted a woman as um, a deputy police chief. What what that does is like it removes like possible um, corrupt officials from the very top of the police. Mm-hmm. However, what it also does is it pushes uh, lower ranked police officers officers up the chain, like up the uh, yeah up the ladder, mm-hmm. and without proper. Uh, vetting of these officials so like like you you also bump up like like uh police officials of, of which of who you don't know like whether they are already uh co-opted by uh by criminal interests or not so that that's like the, the that's a really difficult thing um to fight you need some he needs some big wins, doesn't he? And quite soon, Petro, I think. I think he needs some big wins. Well, not he. We do. Like, yeah. like, um, like, organized crime is is threatening society. Like, like, um, it's it's financing illegal armed groups. Um, it's completely eroding the legitimacy of government. Um, so, like, we can't post possibly have a country if we if we fail to uh, to address uh, and and combat organized crime so at the end of this then i mean we have to keep continue to discuss legalization yeah yeah i mean that's it isn't it it's, it has to be the discussion it won't happen anytime soon but the conversation well, it, it is happening to- like like i mean i mean the um if you look at how public opinion mm. is gradually moving in favor of um uh, legalization i mean because it's the, the the problem with 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 that type of law is that it's like there there's a moral element to it like people are like cocaine is bad so it should be banned mm-hmm. uh, which is a very normal way of thinking but if it's not, if it doesn't work, if it actually like makes um, the problem worse, then you need you need a different approach. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. I just don't think that the 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 cocaine. I think the dialogue will continue, but we're going to need greater weight behind it. And until something is done, obviously in the U.S., you know, we're at, we're kind of at the mercy here being you know the number one partner for south america well but for that reason petro has has really embarked on a diplomatic offensive mm. within latin america uh to get uh a, to create a sort of a regional block mm. that that has the 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 diplomatic weight um to basically decide for ourselves like how we are going to deal with this problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, obviously he's got obviously there's Lula, uh, Boric, uh, I guess to some extent Lasso, uh, Castillo, if he remains in Peru. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to get him out so very fast. Uh, I guess there is a block of Fernandez to some extent in Argentina as well. So we we will see. I mean, it's it's a complex time, and I can only hope that the dialogue continues and it's not pushed onto a back burner. Because as you say, organized crime here in Colombia, and we see the reports coming out of more violence in Panama and more violence in Ecuador and and so on. Uh, obviously in Brazil uh, as a huge transshipment, but not only transshipment, it's now a consumer country, which it wasn't previously, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, and we're seeing that everywhere because the domestic market for these countries is is profitable as well. Not as profitable as the US or Europe, but it's profitable. 
uh, when you've got so much to sell, you know? Yeah, because like with all, I mean, like that, that's kind of like the thing of capitalism. Like if the demand doesn't exist, like create it, you know, mm-hmm. like it's not that people need like Hershey chocolate. Um I mean, like, if it disappears tomorrow, like, nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you got all these marketing people, like, creating a demand. And 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 clearly, um, the, the illicit drug trade, like, um, is is pure capitalism. Mm-hmm. And it it will it will create markets where where law enforcement is weak. So, like, if mm-hmm. if if the U.S. is really effective in um, in 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 blocking the the, en- the entry of of cocaine, then then it then Brazil has like I don't know how many fucking people, uh, but there's like there will be plenty of people that want to snort cocaine there. Oh yeah, um, n- not to mention Africa and Asia. Like um, it, it'll just th- there will always be a market somewhere, and yeah. and that's good, and that that also is like what is increasingly complicating law enforcement because like it's not that like cocaine is like only going to the yes to the US it's going fucking everywhere Everyone. so like um a national government let's say the United States or Canada or Mexico can't really do anything about like cocaine going from Colombia to um Sierra Leone mm. you know like it's yeah. just not how like cocaine is is transcending law enforcement yeah i mean as always uh, a conversation with you adrian is 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 so well informed and also leaves us with more questions than answers i reckon <laughs> but uh thank Sorry. you for your time this morning uh i know that people will enjoy this because it's such a polemic uh conversation but not it shouldn't be a polemic conversation it should be an open conversation so uh you thank you for your time i've noticed that you're no longer on social media so we have to go straight to columbia reports for uh for our news we don't see it on twitter or on facebook or anything else um has that affected no, your I, I, your readerships i don't know i don't um you don't look <laughs> i don't look all right. Well, I know it's. I know it that your your readers are loyal. They're still there. So of course, everyone do check out ColumbiaReports.com. Adrian is the director, the enfant terrible, the Renaissance man, as everyone likes to say, or you know, just a little bit Gonzo there in a barrio in Medellin. So thank you so much for your time and uh, and knowledge on this subject, Adrian. Thanks for the invite. No, it's a real pleasure. This has been episode 449 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. We'll we'll sign off after some messages from our sponsors. But thank you for listening. The Columbia Calling Podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. The Columbia Calling Podcast is also proud to say that we are sponsored by BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator in Colombia, providing a large range of private day tours, transportation, and bespoke packages throughout Colombia since 2017. By popular demand, from January 2023, they will be providing exclusive small group shared tours for those aged 50 and over. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's columbiacalling.co, or the Plan My Trip form on the BNB Columbia Tours website. That's bnbcolumbia.com. And they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all your questions and to start the planning of your Columbia adventure. So please support our sponsors, our patrons here on the Columbia Calling Podcast. That's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. And you again. 
bla bla.